Welcome to Bulls Gold on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio. I'm Salim Sutterwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Shirley Jr. Hey, Edward, how's it going? Hey, it's going well. Uh, not going well for the Bulls right now, but uh, we're still finding some uh, good discussion to have about the team. Uh, kind of tough times with Zach Levine out and Vooch missed yesterday's game, but uh, even though the losses are piling up recently, I'm still all right. How about you? Not bad. Yeah, the the Bulls haven't really been exciting. I mean, Pat played really well yesterday, but other things have excited me around uh, town as regards to Chicago sports. Obviously, the biggest one being uh, Justin Field draft. Uh, that's that's got me back into the Bears. I was actually at a point where I was considering not watching them next season if Andy Andy Dalton's going to be the only guy that we rely on, really. So, yeah, excited about that. And yeah, just yeah, obviously with baseball, I'm watching the Sox, being excited with them, and just you know all these uh, different uh, teams in town that are really you know more exciting to watch than the Bulls. <laughs> yeah, the, the the Bears after the Bears after uh, Thursday definitely uh, have a chance to do something special long term. So that's going to be. That's something like like you. I was just kind of like, mm, I'm not sure if I'm going to watch this season, but uh, now I'm definitely interested as long as Fields is playing. <laughs> yeah, for sure, playing. for sure, <laughs> for sure. Well, you know, yeah. one of the exciting teams in town that we uh, we everyone should get really behind. Hmm. Uh, I think we're going to talk about them, uh, the Chicago Sky, and we'll also get into a little bit about the Bulls later. Uh, just a, a couple of topics, but uh, to joining us today to talk about this guy, uh, sometimes beat reporter that covers them, Annie Cossible. Annie, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> I, I I I researched it. I, I I have a thing because I my name people always mess up my name too. So like I try to be very conscious of pronouncing people's names right. <laughs> excellent excellent well you know let's get into it obviously training camp has started uh the sky have had a lot of additions this offseason obviously uh with shyla hill uh i was another name i did research to make sure i i think i got it right as a style do i still do okay um and then obviously none bigger than candace parker uh, the huge uh, signing hometown, uh, you know, player, and she is obviously a future Hall of Famer. Um, so the biggest thing comes into play is chemistry, and obviously last season leaders like uh, Quigley and Vandersloot they were a lot more uh, diamond to shield. Obviously Vandersloot was kind of the point she is the point guard so she had uh i'm imagine she'll still have control of the ball but when you add uh, such a big name like candace parker there's always going to be an adjustment especially with the high usage rate how how do you think that is going so far in training camp with them trying to work that through and how long do you think a uh the chemistry will take effect into the season you know what from conversations with the players and and coach Wade, it seems that their chemistry is already building, but obviously that's something that only time can essentially mend, you know, it's not like there's anything broken, but time is the only thing that 
can develop that chemistry and spending time together on and off the court. And, you know, certain players and have spoken about their play. In fact, actually every single player that's been made available uh, this early in the season has spoken about how Candace has already elevated their game. And one specific player was Kalia Copper, who talked about that chemistry off the pick and roll and how Candace has helped her see that, you know, when she's driving, she doesn't necessarily have to go to the basket. She can dish it back out. She can pass. She can, um, there are other options than, than trying to score, which can then open up a better scoring opportunity. So I think that chemistry is already well on its way to, you know, being where they want it to be in order to accomplish that goal of winning, um, a WNBA championship. But again, it's something that, that only time really, uh, really can help. And they are putting that time in both on and off the court. Kalia Copper also said that her and Candace were taking their dogs to the dog park the other day. So they're definitely investing that time, you know, in practice, out of practice to make sure that they are all, you know, uh, like a fine oiled machine. Yeah. So what is the, can you tell me a little bit about what the culture of a sky is like in the locker room and the style of play that they are always going to look to play, uh, play towards in games. What is that? What is that going to be like this season? They are a fast paced, intense offense. That's the style of play. They're going to want to run. They're going to want to push the ball. And that's, that's the energy that James is bringing day in and day out to practice. James is like no holding back type of coach. He, he wants things intense. He wants he wants players working at a hundred at all times. And something he said coming into training camp was that he wanted it to be a dog fight. So that gives you kind of just a little glimpse as to what that energy is like and what that um, mentality is like on the court in the locker room for that team. And, um, you know, I think that's what players can expect, like a fast paced offensive minded team. But to that point, he also is emphasizing their defensive play, too, because as a team that has, you know, put up big numbers and and been this fast paced, offensive minded team, their defense is lacked. And so bringing in Candace for that reason is going to change things up, too, as uh, the, you know, reigning defensive player of the year. um, That's already a huge boost on both ends of the court. What do you expect from. Uh, Shyla Hill, where obviously she's the daughter of somebody who's pretty big in Australia, Shane Hill, uh, kind of legendary in himself. And obviously there's always pressure when when you have a parent that, you know, accomplished so much. And then when you're going into that same field, a lot of times people look at them expecting a certain level of play. How do you think she'll come in and what what – what she'll provide to the team and how, how do you think she'll fit in with the rest of the uh, team overall? Well, as far as how she'll fit, it's hard to say because she hasn't even been at training camp and obviously we haven't been able to even watch practices. So, um, you know, all I can really say is based off what I've seen from her, from her games and from conversations with obviously coach Wade um, and as far as pressure of being the daughter of, you know, a, a, a basketball legend in his own right. Um, 
I don't think she feels that pressure. I think she she's loves this game and she has her own style of play. And, and so I don't think she feels any kind of weight being the daughter of Shane Heal. And I think if anything, it may be like is just a, a joyful thing for her to be able to share this with her dad. And as far as coming into this environment, she is expected to be at training camp this week. She had some not issues with her travel visa, but like delayed paperwork is what uh, Wade said. So she is expected to be in Chicago this week and then has to go through COVID protocol, which includes returning six negative tests before she could actually get on the court. But as far as what how she's she's going to fit and and what she needs to bring to the table is just a, a backup point guard. Um, she needs to be able to run the offense to you know the same level that Courtney Vandersloot was running it because when Courtney is off the court, the sky dropped drastically in terms of their um, um, plus minus. So she she needs to be able to command that second unit and Wade's confident that she could do that. He's been watching her for three years. Like he's put in time investing into like this draft pick and, and getting a backup point guard. And when we spoke, you know, he said he has no intention of, of not signing her. So rookies are, are essentially on a training camp roster or training camp contract as well. But, you know, he expects her to be part of that final roster. Can you tell me about one, one player that I really liked watching uh, uh, college basketball was Gabby Williams out of UConn. Mm-hmm. And I, I I always really liked her game in college. Can you tell me about how she's been as a pro and what your general expectations are of her this upcoming season entering her fourth year? So there's a lot of kind of speculation and, and um, just uncertainty surrounding Gabby's future with the sky. It was reported by a league source. A league source actually informed me on draft night that she was being in, she was uh, being considered in trade options um, on draft night. So um, that kind of stirred some questions about what her future is with the sky because she also is um, competing in Eurobasket with the French national team. So she won't even arrive if she does end up playing for the Sky this season. She wouldn't even be, you know, in Chicago playing with the team until late June. So as far as expectations for her fourth year, it's kind of hard to say at this point because as the Sky finalize their roster in the next couple of weeks, we could see some changes there. And Um, But as far as her contributions to the Scott, I mean, there is no shortage of praise for Gabby. She's been a player who has played in every role, every position for the Sky, been a master of all trades on the court and also has been a huge defensive player for the team. And, And we, again, like I mentioned before, a team that struggled on the defensive end of the court, Gabby has, has played a huge role in raising that level of play. So um, yeah, I mean, entering her fourth year, wherever she is, she's obviously going to be a huge star. She's proven that already. Um, she's proven her, her abilities overseas as well. So it's just kind of a matter of, of finalizing things, seeing, seeing if she does end up with the sky. 
Health is another factor as well with some injuries last season with Stevens and the Shields. Uh, how has uh, training camp been as far as with bodies available uh, to you know participate and just the health going into this uh, start of the regular season? Wade has said that everyone's healthy. Um, Diamond and Azure are two he specifically mentioned being in um, a good place entering training camp. And another player is Stephanie Dolson. And Stephanie came in 25 pounds lighter. She wants to try and lose 30 pounds before the start of the season. So everyone's healthy. Everyone's good to go. Everyone's practicing. Um, so, so nothing uh, on an injury standpoint to report. One thing that's really stuck out to me about not just the Chicago sky, but the WNBA in general is just how instrumental they've been in speaking and, uh, just like helping and being a part of the like fight for like change and like racial injustice and social Mm -hmm. issues and cultural issues and things like that. And, They've been to me, they've been better than the NBA and getting that message across in terms of what they've been doing. So that that's always been one of the exciting things. And there are a lot of players who are just like on the front line about it. Uh, I believe uh, Renee Montgomery is someone who has been really instrumental, of course, uh, what Maya Moore has done. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts just about like how powerful the WNBA has been in terms of that movement, I mean, because they it, they were really the catalyst, I think, in terms of uh, the Georgia Senate race when they got behind Ra- Raphael Warnock and uh, all of those things against uh, Kelly Leffler that kind of happened w- uh, with the right. Atlanta Dream. So w- what are your thoughts just on how instrumental the WNBA has been? in so many different avenues and fighting for injustice and fighting against racism and things like things like well you know people are are just starting to give the WNBA their flowers in terms of tackling these issues tackling systemic racism tackling racism sexism um bigotry in, in any shape or form but the WNBA you have to keep in mind was founded by or was established and and from its very, from its inception was filled with women who, um, you know, are part of the LGBTQ plus community, a predominantly black league. Like these are women who these issues have been at the forefront of their lives, their entire lives. So this is nothing new to them from, Mm -hmm. from the start of the league, this is what they've been doing. And so not to say that it's, it's trendy now because it's always been trendy to do the right thing, to be a good person, to fight for what's right, to fight against police brutality, systemic racism, sexism, hate of any kind. That is not, I'm I'm not saying I don't want to come off like, okay, now it's cool to do it, but the WNBA has been doing it. These players have been standing on these principles and these values. So when you look at what they did with the Georgia Senate race, it just, it was a, it was a physical example of exactly how powerful they are and exactly how committed they are to being a league that fights for values that, that matter and that they stand on, on principles and values that matter. And so again, I think that to maybe like the larger public who maybe hasn't followed the league the last 25 years. Yeah. When they saw what, what the WNBA was able to do in Georgia and we're like, 
they took a step back and, and were like, whoa, this is this is power. Like these women yeah. are powerful. But again, they've been doing this work. So I think that's really important to acknowledge. And another point to that is that, you know, a lot of trolls, a lot of haters, a lot of bigoted, hateful people love to come up with this. Sorry, my window's open and I thought a bird was just going to um, A lot of people like to to say this this phrase, like, keep politics out of sports. But the only people that are talking about keeping politics out of sports are privileged white men or privileged white women who don't have to worry about politics in sports, mm-hmm. who would prefer politics not to be in sports because of their own comfort. And we all know that there's never been a day where sports have not been political. And especially for women in sports, Women in sports is inherently political. Title IX was passed not that long ago. That was our very um, recent history. So to anybody that wants to say keep politics out of sports, you better take that elsewhere because politics and women is for especially especially for women in sports have always been intertwined. And there's mm-hmm. never going to be a day that they aren't intertwined. Yes. A hundred percent. And I think even... Uh, a lot of unjust criticism for women in sports. I mean, it's a, a lot of toxicity when anything, I, I, I always, I hate reading replies, comment sections. Anytime someone posts, you know, when someone has accomplished something, um, I always, I hate it. I like, I get really annoyed reading the comment sections. Always the same stupid jokes. Yeah. So it's definitely a big, Hurdle, and I, I, I really love the fact that a lot of NBA players are starting to, yeah, openly support the WNBA, and to me, it's like it's 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 funny to seeing a lot of these people that that are so negative towards the WNBA. It's like the guys that you root for are so supportive of this league. How are you not? <laughs> you know, yeah. so I, that's something that I that always um that that like. It's really like eye-opening to me, and that always gets in. It's interesting yeah. that, to see it. People criticize what they think they can get away with criticizing. People hate what what they fear will take their power away. So when people come at women's sports leagues, it's really from a place of them being fearful of women taking center stage. And it's the same with, with, um, you know, black men and women too. white, white bigoted white men and women are fearful of, of, the the stage being equal and just and fair because they're worried about the power that will get taken from them when it does it's um what's i'm gonna botch that this quote but it's like the only people who fear equality are the ones who are benefiting from an unequal society so the only people that are hating against women's sports are the ones who who come at you with those things of like, oh, I could beat so-and-so one-on-one. I could, you know, I could play in the NWSL. I could, I could play in the, it's like, no, bro, you can't sit (laughs) back and enjoy the show. No, exactly. Exactly. You always see somebody tripping on and it's like, these women wouldn't absolutely school you. (laughs) Don't don't pretend like you can hang with them. And also it's really important to, to, to factor in the amount of time and investment that's gone into these women's leagues. The WNBA is entering its 25th season. The NWSL, the National Women's Soccer League, is entering only its ninth season. And these leagues are are holding their own with, you know, with, with 
pennies compared to the, to the investment that goes into men's sports leagues. So just think about where the WNBA and the NWSL would be if proper investment or if even just equal investment went into these leagues compared to the, to the men's leagues that are their counterparts. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like, like Salim said, it's been great seeing so many players and granted there there have been men's players who have embraced the game and who have like vouched for the game in the past before. And I think probably because of social media, it's probably more like we, we see it more often. It feels like, like we'll see Kobe white, Patrick Williams and the, in WNBA hoodies, you'll see like, I think Wendell Carter used to go to some games too. So it's always great seeing the support. And one thing that I also wanted to ask you about is just kind of how, uh, I feel like a lot of people don't actually realize this, but there are NBA coaches who get some of their plays and some of their philosophies from the WNBA game as well. Like I think Steve Kerr, uh, I believe, mentioned that he has seen some uh, or even Steve Kerr, or Draymond Green, I believe they saw some like sets uh, from a WNBA team and they started using that, incorporating that into what the Warriors were doing. So I, I wanted to ask you just about like just the general skill of the game and how that's been evolving over the years. Like I, the WNBA is a really skilled league. These players, they do really well on the court and they're, they're really advancing the game a lot, not just in terms of popularity, but in terms of what we see on the basketball court too. Yeah. I mean, all I have to say to that is that game respects game. Yeah. It's there's nothing to say about the WNBA and, 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 you know, them being, um, I, I don't even, Yeah, I guess it's just they're they're doing what they do. Mm -hmm. So for Steve Kerr to to take plays from uh, teams in the in the W, that's not that's not anything surprising at all. Mm -hmm. And and for players to respect the women's game, that's not anything surprising at all. They should. That's exactly what it should be. What what I think is is um, needs more discussion is when you have players. Um, and OGs in the NBA that say things like, well, maybe if we lowered the rim, things would be yeah. more exciting. Maybe if you did this, things would be more exciting. Pause. No. This no. game deserves respect from start to finish exactly as it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Shaq as an analyst. So, like, I always I always take shots at him. I mean, no disrespect. I mean, yeah, career. no disrespect to Shaq. I have literally nothing against Shaq. I think he's one of the funniest voices, one of the best winners yeah. in sports. I think, I, like, I have nothing but mad respect for him. But when it comes to these kind of, like, tips and tricks, it's like, keep it. And, oh, yeah. um, and you know, obviously, Candace Parker shut him right down. But, <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, just to go back to your, you know, your question or, or the conversation, I think, maybe you were starting to to spark with it. it it's like yeah this game has been great mm. yeah exactly um i do want to ask we're still obviously in a pandemic and i know the nba players have started getting their vaccinations as have has the wnba been able to do that as well get the players vaccinated uh starting to at least and how are they going to handle that going into season uh do they have a certain travel schedule planned out or do they have anything um, as far as even pr- protocols of of getting regularly tested, uh, at least uh, for this season? 
Yeah, they're getting regularly tested and players have been able to get vaccinated. I'm not sure if the entire Chicago Sky team is vaccinated, but I know a good number of players are vaccinated. And yeah, I mean, throughout the season, they are going to obviously have protocol in place. And you could read all about that at the WNBA's website. Um, There's, you know, a whole list of league protocols that are in place. Um, And as far as media goes, we are not allowed at training camp. We're not allowed in practices and at games. Um, There's only a certain number of media that are going to be allowed to attend games. And that's even an even smaller number for road games. So um, it's definitely going to be another, you know, challenging sounds like a negative word, but I don't mean it in a negative way, but it is going to be another challenging year. And it's not going to be as normal, quote unquote, as everybody would like it to be. But um, you know, the league has, and it continues to handle things really well. How do you see the, the sky being involved in the top tier landscape of the WNBA this year? Do you think that they can like, like, who do you see as the favorites, I guess, to uh, win it all in the league this year? And how do you see the sky? Do you see the sky kind of being close to that level or what, like, what are the general expectations that this team can uh, have this season to really make a run? You know what? I think the expectation is pe- like period it's to win a championship. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of contracts that are, there's going to be a lot of contract shakeup next year. And so, I mean, I don't think it's, it's wrong to say or inaccurate to say that it's this year they want it all mm-hmm. because there's no guarantee that this team will look like, it does this year, next year. So when you look at the two conferences, the Eastern and the East and the West, you know, obviously the aces and the storm are two of the top teams in the West and beating them is not going to be a cakewalk, but I think the sky are heavy, heavy favorite in the East along with the mystics. So um, it's not going to be easy by any means. And obviously Natasha cloud and Elena Deladon over at the mystics along with you know, the rest of their squad is going to be a huge challenge for them um, in the East. But I think that it's, it's very, um, it's very clear when looking at uh, the 12, you know, these teams that um, the sky are, are are right at the top. So I I was looking at, I always like to look at Vegas. I just, because it's always fun to see what (laughs) the, the, the pros think of some of these teams and it's they have currently as far as winning it they have the sparks links mystics storm and aces ahead of them would you kind of agree with that uh yes so i'm looking at bet online and it's saying they currently have the sparks links mystics storm and aces above the sky as far as like the odds so of of like betting odds as far as um likely to win it again i think mystics gonna be a challenge aces man that team is stacked kelsey plums back too like oh that team is so good um storm for sure another stacked team um i wouldn't say the sparks are ahead of the sky by any means especially after losing candace so um I think that's pretty in line with what I said. You know, the Mystics, the Aces, 
the storm and then the links as well. I mean, the links are so well coached. So, um, and they made a bunch of, uh, free agency moves that, that only made them better. So the links definitely are going to be, um, a top team this year, but, uh, yeah, I, I still, I, I think again, that's pretty in line with, with what I originally said. Can you speak to, you alluded to it earlier about the impact that Courtney Vandersloot has on the team and she has, uh, four, uh, all WNBA selections. Can you speak just on like her, just speak more on just the impact that she has on a team and like really what, like what makes her tick as a player to be such a high impact and high value talent for the Chicago sky? I mean, she is just one of the greatest guards in the game presently and will be remembered as one of the greatest guards in the game. She's an unreal passer and just the way that she leads this team, she leads them not by saying the most, but by, by example. And so, you know, I think that there's, you can't, ever say too much about exactly what she means to this team. Um, the Scott, I just pulled up a stat, by the way, I'm talking as I'm like looking at it for <laughs> an old story, but this guy's offensive rating with her on the court was 110, and with her off the court, it dropped by almost 20 points. So that just that stat in itself shows exactly how impactful she is on the court. And she does it in a way where, like, maybe she's not scoring the most points every single game, but she's getting the most points scored every single game by the way that she sees the court, the way that she delegates, the way that she um, you know, makes sure this offense runs the way it's supposed to run. She pushes every single player to be better because she's constantly pushing herself to be better. So, um, you know, I think that's also why we haven't seen this guy kind of get over that, like not mediocre hum. Cause they, they were above mediocre in 2019, especially 2020. They kind of fell short from what their expectations were for themselves, but you know, I think part of getting over that, like from good to great is the fact that they've been having backup point guards by committee is what Wade said. They haven't had someone who actually is there to be Courtney when she's off the court, someone who actually can sub in for Courtney or, you know, come in or even play alongside her and, and keep that, that level that offensive rating exactly where it was. So, um, or close to it because that should not fall by 20 points. Yeah. Definitely. I think, yeah, the, being the, like the coach on the floor, that's, that's always huge when you have someone that you can, uh, throw the ball to any, especially in the crunch time situations and make sure that they make the right play. That's always a big, uh, yeah. big factor and when that person is not on the court and you don't have anyone that you can rely on that that completely throws a wrench into what you want to do offensively that's a that's a right. crazy jump i mean that's a crazy drop off <laughs> like to was it yeah i mean that's that's unreal and especially with this the talent on this team it's like for her to come off the court and then everybody just kind of takes you know a dive it that's really um I think there's just no better way to show what court, when someone says, what does Courtney mean to this team? It's like that yeah, right there. That is, that is extremely rare. Like to just yeah. be able to have where you just come off the court and everyone is just like completely just flat 
without her and then she comes right, back on and it's like it all works like, she she sees for diamond she sees for kosh she sees for ali like she raises the entire team's game mm. Uh, another question. Let me ask you about uh, Diamond Shields. Um, obviously, her development is going to be key too, right? Uh, as far as this team, how 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 they do match up with uh, like teams like the Mystique and the Aces. Um, how how do you see her fitting in with obviously the big names being added in the off season? I mean, exactly how she has fit in. Diamond is a franchise player and she's she's only going to continue to grow in this league. And so I would be extremely, extremely shocked if she wasn't, you know, with this with the sky for, for years to come. And, um, you know, out on the wing, she's a knockdown shooter. And so I think with her and, and Candice, it's going to be really exciting to see how her game elevates playing alongside another superstar because you know diamond's been playing obviously with with stars and in courtney and ally but as far as someone of candace parker's you know level yeah this is gonna be really i think fun for fans to see how these two play together excellent excellent can you, let me ask you oh sorry go ahead, uh, yeah uh, one more question uh can you kind of I know the season hasn't started yet, but on paper and as we talked about, this team is really, really impressive. Can you talk about just how how does this team compare to some of the best sky teams that you can think of in recent memory? Oh, um, gosh, I I mean, I don't know if like this is lazy of me. I don't think it's lazy of me. And this is obviously my first season covering the sky, but I've, I've, as a girl who grew up in the Chicagoland area, like I've been following the sky since they were first established. So um, I truly believe this is one of the best rosters that, that they've had. And I think obviously you go back to the years with Elena Deladon and, and she, I mean, that's, that's the league star. That's the face of the league. So um, you definitely cannot, you know, um, you can't say this is the best team without acknowledging how great those teams were simply because Elena was there. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that Elena had had, I don't think it was as fluid of a team. I don't think it was as, um, it wasn't as well-rounded of a team. It was Elena was the star. And then obviously Sylvia Fowles too. But I think as far as talent from top to bottom goes this is one of the best teams in sky history and i think that also puts pressure on this year being kind of a do or die season because there is so much shakeup that's going to happen next year yeah so prediction time where do you see them finishing record wise and uh do you predict that they will be able to obviously reach the ultimate goal gosh, I have not even begun to like, I mean, I've begun to do it, but um, I'm really trying to think about this. I don't want to just pop <laughs> off at the mouth and be like, oh yeah, they're going to be in the championship. I would not be surprised if the Sun Times is covering a WNBA championship this year. I I'll say that, you know, I, I definitely would not be surprised, but I also will say it's not going to be a cakewalk. Like Candace Parker did not come in 
and just, uh, you know, fix everything. So, um, do I think that, yeah. Do I think that they could be playing for a championship? Absolutely. But, um, it's hard to definitively answer that yes or no. So, and as far as, you know, their record goes, um, I see them finishing at the top of the Eastern conference. I think that they are more than capable of beating the mystics to, to lead the Eastern conference and, um, wins losses. That's hard for me to say right now. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I got to take, I got to take another like couple days, maybe a week to, to really look at their schedule before I could give you like a legitimate wins losses record (laughs) that, that I could stand on, you know, at the end of the season and be like, Oh yeah, that's what I said. No, that's, that's completely fair. That's completely fair. Well, Annie, thank you so much for joining us today. Really, I really appreciate you taking uh, time out of your busy schedule. Obviously, you have a lot going on with uh, covering the team. Uh, please let our listeners know where they can follow you and obviously where they can uh, get your work or anything else that you're working on in general. Well, we are currently working on a nice little cover spread on Candace Parker. That is going to come out the, uh, the, the, the day their season starts, May 15th. So you definitely want to subscribe to the Sun-Times before that, that drops because you're going to want to click on it, click on it again, and then click on it again. And, you know, if you're not a subscriber, I think you only get like three clicks and then you're done. So um, definitely want to subscribe to the Sun-Times. You can find out all of our subscription information right at our website, chicago.suntimes.com. And then you could go ahead and follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Annie Costable. It's, uh, you know, just just my good old name there. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Um, Awesome. Yep. Thanks, guys, so much. Thank you so much, Annie. No, thank you. Thank you you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, you too. You too. All right, bye. Bye. Yeah, that was a blast. Definitely definitely check out uh, Annie on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Really great conversation. Uh, From what she's saying, I I mean, I would just go ahead and we're talking about Vegas. Let's just go ahead and put money on the sky winning it all. I hope they (laughs) do, man. this, This town needs something. A team to really, I'm hoping the Sox can do it, and I'm hoping the Sky can, they can start off this decade, you know, and then that could be a sign of things to come, maybe for the Bears and then the Bulls as well. Maybe the Bulls get that lottery luck. Hmm. Um, obviously, speaking of the Bulls, there's a couple of things that I wanted to run by, and I've been maybe on, maybe just because I'm I'm weird, <laughs> and <laughs> and I I think too much about little things like with this roster and I wanted to run them by you and see what your thoughts are. So the first thing with, I've been thinking about is missed opportunities. Uh, This front office has had, you see a lot of these teams, other teams signing guys on 10 day contracts, young players that are out there that they can get. I know like uh, semi who we used to have Mm. in training camp. And I thought he earned a spot. He looked good. He's 21. I think he could have been someone the Bulls could potentially develop. Um, obviously, other guys, there was uh, Mike James. Um, I think he was in uh, EuroLeague. Uh, I can't remember who he signed with. But another guy that, you know, you could potentially cut, but we've kept Felicio on the roster. And I'm And I've been ringing my head, why have they kept him? One, the first worry for me is the, the Reinsdorf Cuffs 
still loom. Yeah. Like, you know, we talk about our tourists and, and obviously having full autonomy to do whatever they need to do to improve this roster, to fix this roster. But you ha- wonder if that still exists. Like, they're not letting them cut Felicia because he's guaranteed that contract. And then that other thing worries me then is when you cut into the offseason to cut Aminu and and, and wait, stretch wave him to clear up more cap space, will they be allowed to do that? Uh, that's one thing I'm thinking. And the other thing I, I wonder, and I don't know if, like, so let's say that isn't the reason that they didn't cut him. I was thinking, like, remember when... Boston was trying to trade Ke- Kevin Garnett, Paul mm-hmm. Pierce, and all those guys to the Nets. They had to get creative in, in, in contract matching, and they had done that weird sign-in trade with Keith Bogans. Yeah. So that's the other thing I was thinking. Is, is that reason why he could be keeping – I mean – I'm more than likely thinking it's more of a Reinsdorf cuffs, but I, yeah. What are your thoughts on all this? I mean, I don't. I just look at this and I, it's just frustrating that we're keeping Felicio a wasted roster spot on, on on here still and not trying to improve the team. I mean, my first thoughts are, man, Felicio is a survivor, man. Like, <laughs> has anyone survived better than him? I mean, he's gotten he's going to get every cent of that contract, and he hasn't really played even. A notable part of a season and who knows how long uh but I, i'm inclined to agree with you i think that it is something with a reinsdorf's and it may be something that's kind of above us in terms of trying to figure out so i'm i'd be hesitant to place blame on carnicevis and eversley with that that said i do think that uh the Ryan's I think that they will be able to stretch wave Aminu in the offseason I'm not sure how much cap that clears but I'm guessing if he has he has like what one year 10 million left on his deal so that would be about increments of 3.3 million like something like that over the next three years so that would clear about Seven million, uh, I think. Yeah, like, no, yeah, close to seven million. So that 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 could definitely play a role, especially if the uh Bulls are looking at um I don't know, signing someone under the cap or maybe some sign and trade deals. They have a lot of options right now with Thad and Sadaransky both have uh partially guaranteed deals as well. So uh that'll be interesting. But I, I think there is a case that you can I don't know, when when you were telling about telling me about this initially I think there is a case, but it's so conflicting right now with this team this season because, I, and we, we've talked about it, where it's been tough to try and win games with the amount of young players that we we had entering the season trying to develop, and then like it's just really tough, I guess. So in Devin Dotson's case, I, I guess you could definitely make the case he should have been playing a few weeks, like maybe a little sooner because the Bulls were kind of out of it. But I, I guess I just wonder, maybe they've been a little hesitant to add because they have not been sure. They, they haven't really, I, I guess, seen a young player that I guess would be someone who could enter a rotation right now and get some PT when they're still trying to win games. I don't know if that's a factor, but that that would be my initial guess. 
I guess, but it's it's frustrating. And 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 Dotson's the other obviously guy that I've been wanting to see play. But it's frustrating to see like Denzel Valentine get these minutes. Mm. Um, Ryan Archidiakono, who I like Ryan Archidiakono. He's he's not a bad third point guard to have. But to me, I rather see what you have and, and and more talented prospects. I think Dotson is more talented than Ryan. Yeah, and to me, I I would like to see what you have in him. Especially, I mean, you do have his. You can you can offer him the qualifying offer going into the off season to to retain him still, depending on who offers him a contract. Mm-hmm. But you know, you've seen you've seen his, uh, his family. Uh, express a lot of frustration, and I wonder if there's any backlash with with that as well. Like, I I don't know if you. It's funny. Anytime I tweet about, um, you know, Dots and not getting minutes, I see likes from his family members. So <laughs> they're on it. <laughs> they're on it. Quick. Yeah, no, they're on it, and, and they've also they've tweeted as well as far as wondering why you know a all American uh, speed. Speedy, you know, defensive guard is not getting an opportunity to see what he can do, and I, I, I tend to agree with them because, look, I, it, I can see maybe an argument that you don't want to play him in like earlier in the game, but like there's games where the game is pretty much over the start of the fourth quarter. Mm. There has been games recently, and he he, he doesn't come into like a minute left. That that's negligible to me, or uh, negligent to me. It's not, sorry, mm-hmm. not negligible. That's negligent to me, and I don't understand. That. Like yesterday, you were out. Obviously, with Zach recently out, and then yesterday, Vooch is out. So obviously, you have minutes opening up in that front court where you can play Larry instead of at small forward. You play him at, at, at in the front court, and then you play, um, you know. Uh, sorry, Temple probably a little bit more at at the three as opposed to in the backcourt. So that's minutes opening up for Dotson. Yeah, you know, and he doesn't get in the game at all. So it's, to me, I just that's frustrating to me that they're not giving him an opportunity to see what he has, and that's I feel like that's development time that's that's being wasted. Yeah, he was a a DNP yesterday. In the yeah. Atlanta game. Uh, and then you look at the minutes and you see Denzel Valentine got about 16. Arch got about 15. Uh, mm-hmm. Al Farouk Aminu got about 12. Uh, and Garrett Temple got about 27, which uh, I get that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think you definitely have a case. I mean, it to me, it, it's it's tough for me to, like, take a hard stance on this one because, I'm, I don't know, like, it. I, I think you're right that it's – there is some negligence with this because you do want to see what Dotson can do at some point. But then it's just this juggling act that the Bulls have been trying to do this season where they've been trying to allow young players to go out there and and ball a little bit. But when the mistakes come, it's just like, you know, what do you do? Because at the end of the day, you're still trying to win games and you're trying to win those games responsibly I guess in a sense like they don't want to just put guys out there let them make mistake after mistake and nothing comes from it so I, I it's a tough juggling act and I, I don't know I, I would be I do want to see Dotson play more down the stretch especially now that we're 
about three games out of the play-in. So it, it makes sense to just let him with, uh, I don't know how many games are left now, but it, it makes sense to have him out there. And it makes sense to, you know, give these guys a little bit of a longer leash now. Yeah, 100%. I, I guess we'll see what happens. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up on this. So let me ask you, what do you foresee the next, I think, what's eight games left uh, for the season? How, how do you see them finishing off? Um, I'm obviously, and what, what would you like to see happen more so as, as we wrap up uh, another, I guess, another disappointing season, <laughs> if you will? Uh this is tough. Let me let me pull up a schedule and see if I can find that. Um, if basketball reference would work. But, um, so without looking at the schedule, to me, I want to see more of what I, I want to see. Pat Williams being involved more in the offense still. Like I, he's he he's, he had like a encouraging game yesterday, but I want to see Pat Williams like get a longer leash and just be able to take more shots and be more aggressive offensively. I want to see some signs of what we can hope to see next season, because I think Pat is definitely, we we all know he's going to be more of a long-term projection in terms of what he can do. So let's see some, something of what second season Patrick Williams may be able to do. Let's see some more comfortability. Let's see some more off the dribble action. Let's see him run some more pick and roll. Like I, I want to see Pat Williams get a little bit of, uh, more aggressive in the offense. And then, um, hmm, I, I think that would be my main thing here. Uh, just looking at the rest of his team, it's kind of tough because without Vooch, without Zach, you're kind of playing a team that just has. I mean, that played really well yesterday. Daniel Tice has been really solid, but the bench. I, I don't know. Like Lowry's not going to be here next year. Sadoransky, who knows? Valentine won't be here. Arch, uh, I can't remember if his contract is expiring. And you're playing a medium, so it's just like I, I don't know. It, it's really tough <laughs> looking at what this yeah. team is going to do the rest of the season. But I mean, Patrick Williams sticks out to me of what we can uh, look at the most. Uh, 19 points last night on seven of 13 from the field and knocked down both of his three point shots. So if I don't know if Zach is going to come back uh, and play with so few games left, uh, it may not be worth it. He's going to be rusty after missing a few weeks. Uh, Vooch, I'm not sure how much time he's expected to miss. Uh, that could just be a few games, but if it's going to be like this, then you really just want to see Pat, play well and you want to see Kobe you know close out the season strong so those would be mine I guess what what, what did you think yeah so I'm at a point where I think so they're they're out they're out of realistically I mean they're not mathematically out but I feel like they're realistically out of that 10th playing game so it will be it will be I'm 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 thinking like it'd be ideal that they try to up the odds as much as possible to get a top four pick. So I'll probably be looking hopefully that they lose games. Mm-hmm. I mean I guess I won't get mad if they don't lose games, but I I guess that's what I'd like to see. And then I agree with you. I I want to see Pat. I would like to see Pat be averaging like 15 shots a game. Yes. For the rest of the season, um, just get out there. You know, it's your show. Uh, especially if they're going to sit Vooch and, and Zach randomly. Uh, I don't know when Zach is expected to be back. Who knows if Zach will be okay with sitting out the rest of the season if that comes to it. 
and obviously Vooch as well, who knows what, you know, and I don't know how they would get away with it without getting in trouble because obviously the league doesn't like when the Bulls sit players. <laughs> they they like to send them memos when they try to do that. So um, I don't know. And, and you know, funny thing I, I thought about, and, and uh, Mark K again, shout out to him. Uh, we've been chatting him out a lot lately, but he had brought up, you know, that v- quote um, where – AK was saying there was a lot of delusional teams that thought they were still, you know, able to get that 10 spot. So that's going to be interesting going into the off season. Obviously that's still a little bit away, but mm-hmm. if the bulls, if he's not able to really, you know, solidify this roster, uh, that quote could come back to be <laughs> like one of those, you know, ironic, you know, tragic quote type deals, tragedies that, that, you know, plague the Bulls. But we'll see. I'm, yeah, I'm hoping, it, you know, right now we're just, you know, at a point where we're, we're we're just thinking that things can get better and then they will get better. And I think maybe we get we get lucky. The, the remaining schedule, uh, Philly at home, uh, they come to Charlotte, Boston at home, at Detroit, Brooklyn at home, Toronto at home. Brooklyn again on the road, and then they close out at Milwaukee. So uh, there's some good teams in that stretch. I mean, Philly, Brooklyn twice, Milwaukee, Charlotte's been playing uh, really well this season. So there's probably going to be a lot more losses, especially if Zach is not playing, and depending on how Vooch is managed as well. Um, I don't know. Like, for me, it's... This 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 really is kind of like a, a it's really an unfortunate situation because like we were saying uh, like I was saying yesterday like I'm just like for me I'm tired as a fan just like hoping for losses no <laughs> like, yeah. yeah it's so draining like I, I get it, it. like we yes I would love Kate Cunningham I would love Jalen Suggs but it's just so tiring like it's so it's hard to get excited for losses and I don't understand how there's teams of fan bases who have consistently done it for longer years than this so i mean if the bulls lose games at this point i'm just like it it, it just doesn't do anything for me i don't know i i, yeah. I guess i don't know this i feel yeah i just i i, I really i mean i don't know. it'll be exciting if they get a top four pick yeah yeah but. absolutely it would be it uh everything before that is pain but no yes i would be ecstatic but i at this point i'm just it, this is just really unfortunate and uh even before zach went out the bulls were kind of trending down and when zach went out that was just kind of like the death nail and everything so uh I'm not sure what the record's been without Zach. I think the first game he missed was the. I, I think they were like four. I think now they're four and five. Uh, five without him. Four and five without Zach. Oh. Yeah. I would have thought. <laughs> they were four and three before the uh, Knicks game, I believe. Yeah. So, hmm. um, I mean, that's not relevant really because they've had some like the Celtics were missing guys and they beat a Cavs team who they also got lost by like 15 points and then Hornets they beat Hornets a solid Hornets team uh, but obviously Melo wasn't on the mm-hmm. roster at the time um but yeah we'll see but anyways uh I, I think that's a wrap 
we'll wrap up today's show. Uh, don't forget to tune in every Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Central on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net Radio Station. If you missed any previous episodes, you can find us on all major and minor podcast platforms. And please subscribe and rate us a five on Apple Podcasts. Thank you again to Annie Costable for joining us. And and to the listeners as well, thank you t- for tuning in. As always, for Ed Schuler and myself. Till next time, Bulls fans.